Hey there, future fans. This week, we can take the heat so we stay in the kitchen, we follow our dreams, and aprendemos algo de español. This is the week of August 9th, 2019, and this is episode 145 of Future Flicks with Billiam. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. That's right, in episode two weeks in a row, it must be someone's birthday. And it must really be someone's birthday because we only have one movie in the limited section. And I'm just being spiteful and leaving it there just because we have a lot of movies in the wide releases and interesting indies. So, you know what? Let's not dawdle a lot to keep this episode at a reasonable length. So let me tell you what it is I do on the show, just in case you're new. And if you are new, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. I am Billiam, and on the show, I do quite a few things. First, I usually have some sort of introduction, some sort of mindless rambling, which I try to edit into a coherent thought. And then after that, we jump into the first segment, which is always the news. And then after that, we go into the trailer trove. And in both of those segments, we talk about any new news and any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. And as always, if I miss anything, please, please let me know. And you know the ways to get in contact with me, which we will go over at the end of the show. But after the news and the trailers, we get into the movies, which are broken up into two categories. The first is the limited releases, which it's just what it sounds like. Limited releases. Any movies that aren't a wide release film and didn't catch my eye. How do movies catch my eye, folks? Well, the same way they catch your eye. Trailers. Because I don't get any insider knowledge. I base all of my decisions, all of my judgments, all of my rants and raves on the trailers. So if a trailer if a trailer didn't do enough to sell a movie to me and it's a limited se- release, it goes into the limited section. Next is the wide releases and interesting indies. That section is just what it sounds like. Every wide release and then all the indie movies that did catch my eye. We wrap the show up with a question of the week and then I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the somewhat nerdy podcast network. Well, my Future fans, my future friends, my future family, let us jump into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Let's start with some possibly good news that just came out today. Andy Serkis is now confirmed to be directing Venom 2. This, of course, is a sequel to the 2018 movie of the same name, well, almost the same name, just called Venom. It grossed about $856 million worldwide, and it's the one that starred Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, and Woody Harrelson. Ruben Fleischer directed the first one, who directed such classics as Zombieland, 30 Minutes or Less, and was a producer on Gangster Squad. But now Andy Serkis is taking over, and that's giving a lot of people some hope. But of course, I don't think hope is really needed, because the first Venom did well, and 
the article I read that was, oh, geez, I never said who did it. The article came from The Wrap. They talk about the Rotten Tomato score as a 29%. But my friends, you know what I always like to do? What I always like to do and what I like to do is to compare the tomato meter score to what actual living, breathing human beings with souls thought. And the audience score is an 81%. And you know, I'm going to keep doing this. Whenever an article mentions Rotten Tomatoes and the tomato meter, I'm always going to look just to show the discrepancy. If I can even get one person to stop listening to that group of distended assholes, I will do it. I will keep doing it. And it makes it all worth it. Uh, Philip DeFranco's new news organization, Rogue Rocket, recently did an article on Rotten Tomatoes and the power they wield. And I I honestly think it's disgusting. Like, look at, look at all these tomato meter scores versus the audience scores, especially for blockbusters, and see how a lot of the times it just, it just doesn't line up. So what I'm trying to say is stop listening to those zombie felchers and listen to yourself just watch the fucking trailer in news that comes to us from variety actress Gemma chan is in talks to join marvel's the eternals she has previously been in a marvel wait what okay this is interesting because you know how whenever i talk about a, an actress or an actor i will talk about movies they're in just just in case you don't know who they are so she has been in movies like crazy rich asians Go figure. Uh, Mary Queen of Scots and Captain Marvel. So she's in talks to join the Eternals, which is a Marvel movie and not necessarily is the same character. In fact, we don't know who she's playing yet. She could be playing uh, Minerva, which was her character from from Captain Marvel. Have I been saying Captain Marvel this whole time or Captain America? I Okay, it's too late. I don't care. That That's in the past. That is editing Bill's problem. Well, the cast already has people like Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Brian Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, and Kumail Nanjiani. So if she gets added to the cast, yay, it's even more of a rainbow. Which, all joking aside, I do like. I do appreciate that. The Eternals is set for release on November 6th, 2020. Oh, also potentially being added to the cast is Barry Keough. Okay, here's something funny. Um, if you've, if you've ever looked through IMDB's news section, if you clicked on a link through, uh, through that news section, you may notice that it doesn't always link to where it should. Like if you click on the Eternals in this, in this article, it will take you to a different Eternals movie. Well, here's my question about this. Cause it says Barry Keough is, jo- is going to join the movie, but Barry Keough spelled K-E-O-U-G-H, is an actor who's only in one movie, and it was a TV, actually not even a movie, a TV documentary called Australian Story, and one episode of it. So I don't see why that would be news, some some nobody from one episode of a TV documentary. But the actor, Barry Keohan, is how I think you say it, spelled K-E-O-G-H-A-N, who you'd know from movies like The Killing of a Sacred Deer, Dunkirk, and American Animals, he would actually be newsworthy because he is somebody. So I guess we'll find out when talks are done about which Barry it is. And I guess you could say we can bury this story. All right. Self five. I like that. Good job, me. And just a fun fact today, which is August, uh, August 5th, is James Gunn's birthday. He is 53 and his hair doesn't look a day over 17. Good job with you and your hair gel. Oh, it's also Mark Strong's birthday. Good for him. Hashtag justice for Merlin. This next story comes to us from Cinema Blend. Apparently there was backlash about the portrayal 
of Bruce Lee in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. To keep this spoiler free, I won't say what the actual issue is. Uh, though what I will say that isn't a spoiler is that people, including some of uh, Bruce Lee's family, said that he comes across as arrogant and full of himself. And in defense of the movie and the character, the actor who plays him, who is Mike Moe, M-O-H, he answers or at least says his view on all of these issues. One of the issues I can't tell you because it's a very minor spoiler, but you know, people get uppity about that shit. I know I do. But about the cockiness, he says it's, he believes that he believes the role does a good job at showing Bruce Lee as a human being. My view on this whole thing is I think it kind of shows that he has this persona he gives around when he's around a bunch of white people in Hollywood. Because let's remember, Bruce Lee did a lot of his acting. Um, oh, wow. He did. He started acting in 1941. Good God. Well, uh, a lot of movies we know him from were either were in the late mid to late 60s to early 70s. That wasn't exactly a very open minded and PC time for humanity, especially in Hollywood. And so I think it could also show that this is how he presents himself because he's so used to being talked down to or the way are being treated differently for being Asian. Or what I said could be 100% bullshit. We, we will see. This next story comes to us from Uprox. Do you remember that James Wan is producing a Mortal Kombat remake? I didn't until I read this article. Apparently only one actor has been cast so far and that's actor Joe Talsim who was in The Raid. He was also in movies like Fast and Furious 6, Star Trek Beyond, and The Night Comes from For Us, as well as the TV show Warrior. He's going to play everyone's favorite, Sub-Zero. Well, why is this in the news? Not actually because of Joe Talsim, but because of the fact that the director, who is literally nobody, named Simon McCoy, and if you look at his IMDb page, the only thing there for anything is Director of Mortal Kombat. And it turns out the writer of the screenplay, Greg Russo, who's only actually written three things and nothing has actually come out before. So this movie, besides James Wan, is in the hands of two people who have done nothing before, at least nothing that IMDb classifies. And as you all know, I, I recognize that IMDb makes a bunch of mistakes. That's why I double check everything, almost everything I talk about. Well, it turns out he's been announced as the writer for an untitled Resident Evil reboot. So yay, more, more of those movies, I guess. And some movie called Category 6, but that's it. But in an interview, Greg Russo says that the comparison he can make to this movie would be to Deadpool. And that's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, Deadpool was a great movie. I loved it. I will rewatch that movie over and over again. I will enjoy it over and over again. But Deadpool is Deadpool. And let Deadpool be Deadpool. I don't have high hopes for this besides the fact that James Wan is producing it. So hopefully he'll have his hands in it a lot because when he just produces but doesn't have his hands in it too much, uh, the movies tend to go sideways. So we'll hope that this one turns out good. It has a set release date of March 5th, 2021. In news from Polygon, apparently there's a teaser trailer for Christopher Nolan's new movie, Before Hobbs and Shaw. I say supposedly because when Anne and I watched Hobbs and Shaw, there was jack shit. 
for this movie, but apparently others that are seeing Hobbs and Shaw are reporting seeing the teaser trailer for Christopher Nolan's new film. So if you do go see Hobbs and Shaw, keep an eye open for it, try to get there early. But let's move on to the next and final story. According to Collider, Hulu and Bleecker Street have sealed a deal, which means many of Bleecker Street's hit indie films are now coming to the Hulu streaming service. Some of these movies are The Art of Self-Defense, Teen Spirit, and Hotel Mumbai. We could see these films as early as this fall and then the rest following shortly after. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the news. Let us step into everyone's favorite segment, which is the trailer trove. Oh, oh, actually, wait, before we do that, let us hear a word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Yay, I didn't forget this week. Awesome. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back. And now, my dear friends, it is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Alright, well let's start with a very cheery documentary called I Am Patrick Swayze. And of course we know that this is going to be a mix of uplifting and sad. Uplifting because we're going to get to see Patrick Swayze doing what Patrick Swayze did best, we're going to get to see behind the scenes looks at him. We're going to get to see interviews with his friends and fellow actors and directors. And then we're going to hear about when he eventually died and what led up to that. And that is going to be devastating. This looks like a really well done documentary. I think it looks I think it looks great. I cannot wait. But the only issue is that if you watch the trailer, it says that it will premiere on August 18th on the Paramount Network. So I have no idea if this documentary is going to get any time on the silver screen. I think it should. I think they should be all over the screen. I think it should be all over the country, all over the world. But the Paramount Network is very weird, and they really hold on to all of their shows, and they don't let them out very often. Like, I thought Yellowstone sounded like a good idea when it first premiered. I have never seen an episode, because frankly, I don't want to buy any DVDs. Next up this week in the Trove, we have the first trailer for 1917. This is a movie directed by Sam Mendes, written and directed by Sam Mendes, about World War I. This has a very impressive cast. And just some of the people involved, Benedict Cumberbatch, Richard Madden, Mark Strong, Colin Firth. That's a movie right there. That, that may be all I need to know, but then they give us this trailer, which looks really, really Good. And we're adding to the fact that World War I is not a war we see a lot of movies about. Really, it, it's World War II. We see a lot of movies about World War II. And then the rest of the wars kind of come in phases. Like we went through a Vietnam and Korea War phase. Uh, we went through a time when we saw a lot of Desert Storm and even uh, Iraqi Freedom movies. But World War I, never terribly popular. So it's good that we're seeing another movie coming out about this. I'm not sure if this is based on any sort of true story, but what it's about is two young British soldiers 
who are given a task. This task is that they must deliver a message deep into enemy territory. And that message is to stop an attack from their own men. So the British have planned an attack on the Germans, but the British, these two British soldiers have to go deep into enemy territory with this message to stop the attack because apparently it's a trap. And you know, it's 1917. Phones may have been around, but it's not like everyone had a phone with them where it's just like, oh, let's just bring out our iPhone 1 and call these chaps. Tell them not to do this attack. No, they had to send these young British soldiers through a war zone to deliver this message. The catch? Well, not really catch, just something added on to it is that one of these British soldiers, his brother, is going to be part of that attack. I think this film looks really good, and it's coming out December 25th, and what better time for a uh, for a movie about World War I than Christmas time? What says Christmas more than World War I? Nothing, my friends, nothing. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, we have the trailer, the first trailer for The Irishman. This is the Martin Scorsese Netflix movie that has an amazing cast. It has Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Anna Paquin, Harvey Keitel, Jesse Plemons, Barbie, 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 <laughs> Bobby Cannavale. That's a hell of a cast right there. And it's coming to Netflix and select theaters this fall. So it will get theater time. That was probably something that Martin Scorsese really wanted to do. And Netflix probably wants to have this up for an Oscar nom. So it has to hit some theaters. But the only downside is that if you watch the trailer, hopefully this is not the finished project. Hopefully they gave us some scenes in this trailer that were not finished because they de-age Robert De Niro in this. And sometimes it looks good. Sometimes it looks horrible. If you're not familiar with this, if you didn't hear about this, this is based on a book by Charles Brandt, who interviewed a guy named Frank the Irishman Sheeran, who claims that he worked for the mob and worked for Jimmy Hoffa as an assassin and then also killed Jimmy Hoffa. So this movie is based off that interview. We have Al Pacino playing Jimmy Hoffa. We have Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran. And that's all I need to know. I need to see this film. It looks really good. There's no set release date yet. Though we do know it's hitting the UK on October 13th, so we can expect a release date in America sometime around then. Next up, we have a trailer for a film called The Hunt. This is about 12 strangers who wake up in a clearing. They don't know where they are or how they got there. All they know is that they're gagged and all they have are each other. What they don't know is that they've been chosen for a very specific purpose, to be hunted. What the people who pay for this privilege to hunt human beings don't know is that they've gotten loose and are now fighting back. This stars Betty Gilpin, Hilary Swank, Justin Hartley, and if you remember him from My Name is Earl, Ethan Suppley. Were this a movie on Netflix, I would be more interested, I'd be more willing to watch it, but it doesn't look like it is. It looks like this is actually getting a theatrical release, and maybe I'll watch it when it hits streaming one day. But right now, this doesn't look interesting enough to warrant a theater watch, but it doesn't look bad. It, it does look interesting. Check out the trailer. Maybe it's up your alley. It kind of looks like The Purge, which is funny because it comes to us from the producers of The Purge. This comes out September 27th. 
Well, my future friends, that is it for the trailer trove. Once again, if I missed anything, let me know, and I will talk about it in the next episode. But for now, let us take a quick break as we hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle, and we'll be right back with the limited release movie. That's right, singular. Stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, my future friends, we are back with the limited releases. And since we only have one, instead of doing one movie and then sending you on another break, I'm going to put the break, the next break, in the middle of the wide releases. So fear not. So the only movie that we're not really going to talk about is a movie called Echo. A former assassin living a new life in the shadows with his family emerges from hiding to discover the origins of his lethal beginnings. This star is no one of note, and it doesn't look impressive, interesting, or even promising. So let's move on to the wide releases and interesting indies with our first film called Ode to Joy. Charlie suffers from cataplexy, a symptom of narcolepsy that causes sudden bouts of paralysis whenever he experiences strong emotions. In his case, it's joy. He has built up ways of dealing with this, and it all revolves around him never being truly happy. That is, until Francesca comes into his life. The stars Marina Baccarin from Firefly, Martin Freeman from Sherlock, Melissa Rauch from The Big Bang Theory, Jake Lacey from Carol, and Jane Curtin from Third Rock from the Sun. This movie has a lot of promise, and I do want to see it, but I only have one issue with it from the looks of the trailer is that Martin Freeman's character is a piece of shit, and I don't want to watch a movie where I cannot root for the main character. Why do I think he's a piece of shit? Here's why. Because he is dating Melissa Rauch's character. They've been dating a while, and he has picked her because she never gets strong emotions out of him. One day, he meets Morena Baccarin's character, uh, Francesca, who almost immediately gets a reaction out of him and he faints. He falls harder for her than a drunk on ice and instead of being honest and leaving his his girlfriend right away, he instead pushes her onto his brother. They start dating and hit it off and he did this just so he can continue to be around her. They continue spending time together. It's obvious that he likes her way more than he likes his girlfriend and that is a human piece of garbage thing to do. Like, what a 100% piece of shit, selfish thing. So he's only looking out for himself, only looking out for himself. That's all he's doing because he knows that Melissa Raj's character does nothing for him, so he's never going to faint around her. So he's using her. So instead of being honest with this woman he obviously doesn't like as much as he likes Marina Baccarin, he's just keeping her around. And I think that's a really shitty thing to do. This movie does have promise, though, because it looks good, it looks well acted, and I think it it could potentially not be as bad morally as I think it could be. What I would like to see out of this movie is that he he's kind of drawn to Marina Baccarin, 
and he something happens and he gets in trouble with his girlfriend because maybe she realizes what's going on but then he realizes it's really her she wants i've been an asshole i'm sorry they live happily ever after marina backering lives happily ever after with jake lacy yay happy ending after martin freeman realizes he's a piece of trash either that or then he realizes hey i'm being a piece of garbage to you i'm sorry here's what i'm feeling here's what i'm thinking breaks up with her then gets with marina backering who is kind of mad at him for being an asshole, but they eventually work it out. And and kind of yay. I just don't like this fact that we have a romantic comedy where we have a main character that I potentially will not like and will potentially hate, even though it's an actor I like. I like Martin Freeman. I really do. But here's the thing. He's good at playing an asshole. He is really good at playing an asshole. I just hope, I just really hope that the trailer has woefully sold this movie incorrectly and that what i will actually see is something else ode to joy gets a 5.5 out of 11. the only reason it made it into the wide releases and interesting indie section is the promise is the potential it has that's it next up we have a documentary called one child nation this is a documentary about china's one child policy its history its effects on the people and their thoughts on it. Uh, this looks, um, this looks very depressing. This looks really sad, but also really interesting. Because I remember, I, I remember when we were still hearing about China's uh, overpopulation, people starving. And that's not necessarily over. I bet you there's still a lot of starving people there. Like, just like there are starving people in a lot of countries. Unfortunately, I think this has a potential to be very interesting, very informative, and also very, very sad. But just like I always say about documentaries, the case with this is based 100% on your interest in it. With other movies like Ode to Joy, with uh, Hobbs and Shaw last week, with any other movie I've ever talked about that's not a documentary, there's the potential I could talk you into it, or someone else could talk you into it, or, or even out of it if you wanted to see it. But with documentaries, it's 100% up to your interest. Do you have any interest in learning about China's one-child policy? No, then probably nothing I can say. I could sit here and say, I saw this movie. It is a godsend. I could say this is now what I will judge all movies by this standard. And if you don't care about the policy, you won't watch this movie. That's a thing. I think this looks very interesting. You may not. Even though it looks interesting, I'm not sure if I'm going to see it just because of how potentially depressing this is going to be. But depressing or not, it looks good. One Child Nation gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, my future friends, we have two more movies before the break, so let us get along with this and talk about After the Wedding. Isabel is a cute manager of a little town and campground. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Animal Crossing. Wrong, Isabel. Womp womp. Isabel, a manager of an orphanage in, Col in Kolkata, very different from a campground, travels to New York to meet a potential benefactor, Teresa. It turns out she has a history with Teresa's husband. Did Teresa know about this beforehand? Was it a coincidence? Or is this all part of some plan? This stars Michelle Williams from My Week with Marilyn, Julianne Moore from Still Alice, and Billy Crudup from Big Fish. So Anne has really got me into these books. And by really, I mean, I've read a couple <laughs> <laughs> just like one or two uh, but these these kind of thriller books by authors like ruth ware and taylor jenkins reed and things like that where it's 
this kind of story. Like, what does she know? And, and, and what's, what's behind this? Is it a coincidence? And you know what? I really like this sh And I think this one looks interesting too. And in fact, I'm super surprised this is not based off a book. This is an original screenplay. And I think this, this does look interesting. This is a drama thriller. And it stars some good people. I really like Julianne Moore. I really like Billy Crudup. Michelle Williams is really good too. This th That's all I need to know. The rest of the cast looks fine. I'm not very familiar with any of them, but the main three look good. And I, I think this has a lot of promise, but it depends which angle they go. Is this just going to be a straight up drama? Like it says, like on the IMDb page, the genre says drama, no, no thriller word anywhere to be found but that doesn't mean it can't also be so i think how good or how potentially interesting this movie could be depends on where the story goes and while that does sound like an obvious thing to say especially with a movie like this it could go a couple different ways it could just be the straight up drama route where maybe michelle williams and billy crudup have some big history and julianne moore just wants to get to the bottom of it maybe billy crudup and michelle williams slept together while he was married to julianne moore's character and she found out, and this is how she outs them, and or there's going to be slight hints of a whodunit in this. And I do think this has potential. This definitely has the good actors in it. But is that enough? Only time will tell. Uh, I know I want to watch this. I definitely do. But the question is, how long will it sit on my TBR? TBR on my TBR, I have books on the mind. On my to-be-watch list after the wedding gets a 6.5 out of 11. And ladies and gentlemen, we have one more movie before the break, and let's talk about a super happy film called Brian Banks. A football player's dream to play in the NFL is halted when he is wrongly convicted and sent to prison. Years later, he fights to clear his name within an unjust system. A group who helps the wrongly convicted come to his aid, and they have 10 months to clear his name or Brian will be sent back to prison. This stars Aldous Hodge from Straight Outta Compton, Greg Kinnear from You've Got Mail, and a small role from Mo Morgan Freeman from The Electric Company. And yay, yet another movie that I would watch and then just be terrified of ever being part of our justice system in any, any way other than a juror. If you really, really want to be scared, uh, just watch the uh, Adam Ruins Prison or Adam Ruins Law or something like that um, from Adam, Ru Adam Ruins Everything. And he goes over the fact that lie detector tests are bullshit, fingerprints are not reliable, and something as ridiculous as is the defendant wearing glasses can weigh heavily on a jury. So no thank you, I, I never want to be involved in a trial in that way. No, I, I would much rather... Not be there at all, not even on the jury. But let's talk about this film. Uh, it, it does look good. It looks good, and it looks actually infuriating. Uh, because this is based on a true story. This really happened. And, spoiler warning, if you really care, skip ahead like, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds from right now. So the woman who accused him of rape was lying. So he was then exonerated, and I don't think really anything happened to her. So he lost 11 years, I think, of his life because this dumb bitch lied about it. From what I read, it wasn't even a misidentification. It was a lie. So he gets his life ruined, and she's just like, okay, whoops, my bad. If there's more to the story, I don't know it. From what I found in my, what little research I did, that's what I learned about it. 
but we're talking about a movie here. Remember that. And that's something I have to remember when I'm talking about this. And the movie does look good. I like Aldous Hodge. I really like Greg Kinnear. Morgan Freeman is great, even though it sounds like a very small role he has. But this has promise. And it has the benefit of being a true story, so you will be a little more educated when you leave the theater if you want to see this movie at all. I think it's worth noting. Is it worth watching? That That is up to you. Because my, me, my friends, I'm going to say Brian Banks gets a 6.5 out of 11. That is it for the first half of the wide releases and interesting indies. Let us take a break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. Tunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. We're back. We are back with a movie called The Art of Racing in the Rain. Through his bond with his owner, who is an aspiring Formula One racer, Enzo the Golden Retriever learns that the techniques needed on the racetrack also apply to life. This stars Milo Ventimiglia from This Is Us. Amanda Seyfried from Mean Girls, and features the voice of Kevin Costner. And goddammit, another f***ing dog person movie. Where's my cat people movies? Huh? Where are my f***ing cat people movies? Give me a f***ing cat movie, okay? Enough of these goddamn dog movies where it's like a dog's journey, a dog's purpose, a dog does his taxes. It's all some bullshit story loosely thrown together with some kindergartner's paper mache and a dog thrown in just to entertain dog people. And it's right now that I choose to remind my listeners that I do like dogs. I am not a dog hater. I personally have cats, but if I see a dog, I'm going to pet a dog. Unless, you know, it's a service animal, in which case I'll either ask or just stay the f*** away. But if there's one thing cat people know about dog people, is that they're weird. If there's one thing the dog people know about cat people... We're weird. But for some reason, we're now getting inundated with dog people movies. And this one just seems so, so basic, so formulaic. Get it? Formula One. The lessons he learns about being a race car driver also apply to life. Ho, ho, ho. If I had more money, I would bet all of you that someone is going to die. I bet you either Milo Ventimiglia is going to die, which just brings us back to This Is Us. Or the dog is going to die. One of these people are going to die. And if you've ever listened to the Watch Your Mouth podcast, you know that Critter says they're all good boys and girls. And yes, they are. They, they are all good boys and girls. If you meet a bad dog, they probably have a bad owner. When I was a little kid, our first dog was this golden... Golden Retriever was a German Shepherd that just wandered on into my uh, parents' backyard. And we had to coax it with food and stuff because it just wouldn't come to us. And we found it was all bloody. We thought it was hit by a car, but it was actually really beaten. And it turned, it loved us. And we, we 
we got really close and it became the family dog. She was a wonderful dog, but she never got okay with with men other than me, my dad and my grandpa. Like if if a male was around her and did anything sudden, she would nip at him. Like, hell, she tried to nip at my grandpa and he turned around and went, hey, stop that. And she's like, oh, okay. Like instantly went, okay, yeah, I'm sorry. You're cool now. Uh, he was like some sort of weird dog whisperer, but anyone else would just, she'd just be, like nip at them and run away. And that, and that didn't mean, didn't mean she was a bad dog. Whoever had her before this, whoever beat the living shit out of her deserves a terribly painful death. Wow, that's a tangent. You know, I'll keep that in. Maybe. We'll see. But that being said, even though I too love dogs, I am sick of these movies that are being sold to us just on the fact that they have a dog in it. And not even sold to us in the same way that movies like Homeward Bound and Milo and Otis and Lassie and Rin Tin Tin and Canine like that were sold to us. These are sold to us like they're trying to be some sort of good, some sort of meaningful, some sort of of important movie when it's just some basic plot we've seen a million times before, but the only thing they're going to add to it is now it has a dog in it. That's going to have some voice by some famous actor. You know what? If that's the kind of movie we're going to get from Hollywood about pets, I don't want cat people to get movies. No, no, no. You stay the away from that. I don't want to see more of this shit. You can come up to me and ask to get my cats to star in a movie. And if they gave me some bullshit script like this one, I would say go yourself. No, that's a lie. I want money. But do you get what I'm saying with this? That even if you're a dog person, just the fact that this has a dog in it shouldn't be the selling point for you. You should want more from your movies. This movie can just be piled on to this to the list of all these other movies that pander to a specific crowd and doesn't offer anything interesting. The Art of Racing in the Rain gets a 3 out of 11. Ladies and gentlemen, the next movie we have to talk about is called Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Dora, who is now a teenager, leads her friends on an adventure to save her parents and solve the mystery behind a lost city of gold. This stars Isabella Moner from Instant Family, Michael Peña from End of Watch, Eva Longoria from Desperate Housewives, and features the voices of Benicio Del Toro and Danny Trejo. And you'll remember that when I first heard they're making a Dora the Explorer movie, I said, why? This is going to be terrible and no one's going to like this. And when I saw the first trailer, I said, okay, I am suddenly listening. And the more trailers I see about this movie, the more I'm thinking, yeah. Okay, I will one day watch this film. This looks like it's funny. It looks like it's very self-aware. It looks like it's not trying to take itself too seriously at all. It's just like, okay, here's a story. Here's a fun story that people of all ages can enjoy. Here's a character people are familiar with, but you won't have to know to watch this film. Of course, there will be inside jokes uh, that only people who are familiar with the show will understand. So if Anne and I go and watch it, there will probably be some jokes people laugh at. We'll be like, oh, I guess that was something from the show, but but not laugh, but still enjoy the film. This looks good. It doesn't look great, but it just looks fun. If you remember when we first saw what Dora was going to look like, I had some issue with it. And, and I still kind of do, but I think the way that they present the movie kind of squashes some of my fears of this. So a lot of my original fears are kind of kind of okay now. That being said, I still want to watch this, but you know what? Not in theaters. And come on, anytime I get more Michael Pena is a good time. Dora and the Lost City of Gold gets an 8 
out of 11. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, we have a film called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. A group of teens face their fears as they do all they can to defeat the evil released from an old book they found in an abandoned mansion. This stars Zoe Margaret Coletti from Wildlife, Michael Garza from Wayward Pines, Gabriel Rush from Moonrise Kingdom, and Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. And to me, uh, this just looks like Goosebumps, but more serious and not as interesting. I do think this looks okay. I, I do want to watch this film, and I loved, I loved the scary stories of Tell in the Dark series. They were great. And uh, this movie has a lot of potential, but I just think that the trailer didn't do enough to make me, make me believe that this was going to be worth it. I think this is going to be interesting, but from all I've seen, I just see the potential, but I don't see the promise. And that's a very important factor when deciding what I want to see in theaters. This week, I had a really hard time picking my, picking my pick of the week, but that trouble came because of the next two films, not this one, not Dora, not anything else. I don't think this looks bad. I really don't. But like I say, I have to base all of my judgments off the trailers and the trailers do look entertaining. It looks like it could be pretty cool. And it did put, it did put itself on my list of to be watched movies, just not to be watched in theaters. Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark gets a seven out of 11. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we come to my dilemma. I had to pick a movie that's going to be the pick of the week, and I'm still on the fence. But before I change my mind yet again, let's talk about the film that's not the pick of the week, which is called The Kitchen. The wives of New York gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 1970s continue to operate their husband's rackets after they're locked up in prison. Trouble is, the local crime families don't take too kindly to this. This stars Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale, Melissa McCarthy from Tammy, Tiffany Haddish from Keanu, Domino Gleason from Ex Machina, and Common from Smoking Aces. And yes, with that cast, this is a serious movie. And yes, I'm really excited for this. I think the trailer makes this look really good, and I think we'll really get to see what Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish have to offer. We know they can do comedy, but the problem with them is that they have a very specific style of comedy that may not be for everyone. I happen to like it. I like both of them. Other people do not. Some people hate them with a passion. But I think now is when we'll find out really what their acting chops are made out of. And it's always a little exciting, isn't it? When a comedic actor turns to drama. Remember when we saw dramatic roles from Robin Williams? Do you remember his one episode on... Law and Order Special Victims Unit, that was really good. Do you remember One Hour Photo? Do you remember Insomnia with Al Pacino? God, he was creepy in that. He was so good. Goodwill Hunting? Let's talk about the obvious one. He was amazing in that. Look at people like Will Ferrell, Steve Carell, Whoopi Goldberg, Queen Latifah. I mean, Queen Latifah wasn't truly a comedic actress. She did a lot of drama, but she can jump between the two. But th that list I gave, that they did some great, truly wonderful, dramatic roles. Think of Jonah Hill in Moneyball. Think of Seth Rogen in Jobs or Steve Jobs. He was great. So that's why I'm really excited to see what Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish have to offer. 
And here's why I think that even people who aren't fans of their comedy may like it, because I don't like Steve Carell comedies. I Most of you know this, that, that kind of awkward comedy, I hate with a passion. I have never seen the 40-year-old version all the way through. I fast-forward through big chunks of it. I just can't stand it. But I love his dramatic roles. I think Steve Carell is a gift to acting. And so I hope other people, maybe who people who don't like Melissa McCarthy or Tiffany Haddish movies, will give this a shot and go, okay, well, I like them in this. Let's see more. And what I also like about this is that it's giving us a female forward cast and it doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel contrived. It feels like something that can actually happen. I fully believe that this could have happened somewhere, sometime, where the the wives or girlfriends of criminals have to pick up the pieces of their after their guys are thrown in jail. So what we have here is a very promising cast, an interesting story, and trailers that just make this look good. And I cannot wait. But I think the next movie is just going to be a smidge better. The Kitchen gets an 8.5 out of 11. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the pick of the week. So I'd be impressed if you'd know what the movie is. So I'm going to tell you. And so say it with me if you do know it. The pick of the week is the peanut butter falcon. Zach, a young man with Down syndrome, runs away from home to follow his dream of becoming a professional wrestler. Along the way, he befriends a drifter who makes it his mission to help Zach get to his wrestling school. This stars Shia LaBeouf, who is an actual cannibal, Dakota Johnson from The Office, one episode of it, Jason Hawks from Three Billboards Outside Ebby, Missouri, Thomas Hayden Church from Sideways, and Bruce Dern, oh, Bruce Dern from The Burbs, there's more, John Bernthal from Baby Driver, and former WWE wrestlers Jake the Snake Roberts and Mick Foley, and introducing Zach Gotzigan, I think that's how you say it, as Zach. So this is another movie, just like The Kitchen, that could have, it very well could have, come across as very try-hard. It could have come across as very contrived. It could have come across as dishonest. But after watching the trailer and different versions of the trailer, I think that this just looks like a very charming, very real, very, uh, very promising story. God, I've been using that word too much, but I can't think of anything else to say. I think this movie looks really good. So we have this kid named Zach who dreams of becoming a professional wrestler because who doesn't? Who in their right mind has never wanted to be a professional wrestler? Okay, yeah, there are probably a lot of people out there who haven't wanted to be a professional wrestler, but I I know what this kid's thinking. I, I wanted to be one when I was a little kid. You know what? I actually don't know how old Zach is supposed to be. I think he's young adult to adult, I think. I don't know. I, I don't want this to come across as f***ed up and cold, but I really have a hard time discerning the age of people with Down syndrome. But I, I guess it really doesn't matter how old Zach is, but just because we have this story of this person who dreams of becoming a wrestler, who escapes from his home, and I, I'm not quite sure, it's not quite clear from the movie if it's, an, if it's his actual home or if he's in a group home. Either way, he escapes... And on the way, he meets this drifter. He meets this guy played by Shia LaBeouf. And at first, the guy's like, no, uh, you'll just slow me down. Get the hell away from me. But then he warms up to him and says, OK, I will. I will take you along the way. And the the trailer made me smile. The trailer made me laugh. It looks so heartwarming and promising. 
And this looks like the kind of movie that will make you sit back and go, yes, there are good things in the world. There is good out there. There is a lot to smile about. Tomorrow will be a new day. The sun will rise again. And actually looked it up for me. Uh, Zach is supposed to be, well, is supposed to be 22. And I'm guessing the actor, Zach, is somewhere along the same age. Apparently, she just told me he was born in 1985. That makes him two years younger than me. So that means, oh, how old am I again? So he's 34. I just think this looks really charming. I think this looks entertaining. And I think that I think that it avoids very well avoids the fact that it doesn't seem like they're trying to push the fact that they have an actor with Down syndrome. It's not like, oh, look at us. We have this guy here. Look, he can act, too, just like people can. It doesn't seem like they're trying to be disingenuine with it. It, it just seems like they had this story. They're like, hey, who could play Zach? Hey, here's this guy that has Down syndrome who acts and we like him for the role. Let's just let's just hire him and do this. And I think that it really shows that this movie looks not cringy. And I just want to see an innocent movie about a very low-key adventure that's going to make me smile. The Peanut Butter Falcon gets a nine out of 11. And with that, my future fans, it is time for the final break before we get into the question of the week. So please stay tuned for a word from our friends at We're Doing Find with Robbie and Lisa. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. And we're back. We're back with the question of the week. And let's just give you a reminder as to what it was. The question was, bad movies are now a form of torture. Which movie would you pick to torture someone with? We got an answer from Brian Q, who says Sex in the City 2. He also informed me that he did answer last week's or two weeks ago's question of the week about kids movies being rated R. And even though I say I'm going to bring that question up again, I'll still read his answer. And then it will give you, Brian Q, will give you a chance to say another movie when I eventually bring that question up again. But his answer was The Earthling, which is a movie starring, of all people, William Holden. William Holden from classics like The Towering Inferno and Sunset Boulevard. Oh, that's right. The Bridge on the River Kwai. And the original Sabrina with Audrey Hepburn and Humphrey Bogart. That's what it is. And The Earthling is actually a movie I never heard about. So apparently it's about this guy named Patrick Foley who has been diagnosed with cancer. And he wants to spend his last days where he grew up in Australia. And along the way, he meets Sean, a desperate city boy whose parents were killed in an accident. Jesus, this is bleak. You're going to make this worse? So basically, he teaches a kid how to survive. Um, Man, that... Man, God, if you rated that, made that rated R, it'd be so dark. Oh, wow. I'm actually very interested in that. But also not interested. Very scared, too. Our next answer comes to us from Anne, who said it would be a Channing Tatum double feature. She said this just to hurt my heart. And she picked Magic Mike and Logan Lucky. And the joke's on her. If she tried to torture me with that, I would quite enjoy at least the Logan Lucky part. And time for my answer. Uh, My answer is a movie I've talked about a couple times before. Uh, I usually 
bring it up when we talk about French films. Because I thought about other movies I really didn't like, like um, The Babadook and It Follows, but for some reason people really liked those. So I actually wanted to keep that in mind when I, when I had this answer. Uh, what I truly wanted to answer was some movie that I've never been able to find since I accidentally saw part of it. Uh, I, I think I've told this story before. When I went to see the movie Nightcrawler, a different movie started playing first, and it was some like, ghetto romance about this woman who is a vampire because she was bitten by some gangster vampire or something, and they they start the movie with so much exposition that I'm just I was just blown away that anyone could be that lazy with their storytelling. And then I noticed that no one was getting up to say anything to anyone who worked at the theater. So I got up and said, hey, this shitty movie's playing. What the fuck is this? And then where's Nightcrawler? I didn't actually say that. I said, hey, the wrong, the wrong movie's playing. And since I couldn't say that one, what I, what I will pick for my answer is a French film called The Piano Teacher. And this movie has someone I really like in it, a famous French actress, a great actress named Isabelle... I'm saying it wrong because it's French, so it's probably not pronounced anything like it's spelled, but I'll just say Hoopert. And she is really good, but it couldn't, they, they couldn't fix this fucked up movie. Uh, just the basic IMDb synopsis says, a young man romantically pursues his masochistic piano teacher. And, oh god, the movie was just so bad and had no payoff. And I will never forget certain parts, like this... This woman goes into these porno theaters and then grabs tissues out of the garbage to sniff. And that is weird and gross. No, no, thank you. I didn't need to see that. But that wasn't it. Just the whole movie was pointless, uh, especially because at the end we had her and this guy that she was in a, a relationship with. He left her because she's crazy as shit and she gets a knife. And goes to meet him with, with intention of killing him. And then he introduces her to her his new girlfriend. And then she says, oh yeah, good, nice meeting you and everything. Let's them go. She's still standing outside the theater. She stabs herself in the shoulder and then just walks off. And it's like the end. I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? So not only was the movie cringy and awkward, but it had this weird ass ending that made no sense. The movie was shit. I have no idea how on IMDb it has a 7.5 out of 10 with 50,000 ratings. It's won 18 awards and has had 21 other nominations. I, I, I don't get how anyone could watch that and think it's anything other than bad. So for the next question of the week, this one is inspired by a movie coming out this week. And I, I've asked a question similar to it before, and I do understand that. So if you answered this, basically I'm just saying this to uh, uh, to Frat Matt and Brian Q, but anyone else, this will be new for you. So for you guys, you can think of a different answer, and if you really don't have one, answer with the same one, because I really forgot who answered this when I asked it the first time. But in the spirit of the Dora the Explorer movie, which cartoon from your childhood would you like to see as a live action movie? And when you think of this, think about it in the sense of the Dora the Explorer movie, where it's not just a straight, uh, a straight copy just done with with real humans. The story's spruced up a bit. It goes a little more in depth. Dora's a little older. So give your favorite cartoon or just a cartoon you think would be interesting to see as a movie the same treatment what cartoon is it well this has been episode 1 
45 of Future Flicks with Billiam. As of right now, the episode is not named yet, so hey, we'll see whatever it is I name it. But let's wrap this up with the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website, that's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. All the stars possible. And then share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That's a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts, which are also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Support the friends of the shows whose ads you've heard during this episode. And don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>